everybody. It is 2 p.m. Eastern on Friday, October 13th. Friday the 13th. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so it must be time for another Kick-Ass Career Conversation with Kim and Louise and Angel. Angel. <laughs> and we are so glad to have Angel joining us here, um, even though she was telling us the weather um, or the temperature, and we're freezing our tushies off up here in Canada, and she's basking in warmth. It's okay. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I meant, oh, it's so cold here. <laughs> Regardless of the weather, we're thrilled to have Angel here, and we're going to share a little bit more about Angel in just a little bit. But in the meantime, we're going to start off this week like we start off every week. What are we celebrating? Oh, celebrations. See, this is why Kim and I do this every week is because it allows us, I, I, I think I do it selfishly a little bit anyways, right? To just pause and say like, what are, what am I celebrating? What am I proud of? Or, you know, what's been the highlight of my week? Um, I feel blessed, even though I'm snuggled up here in a couple of sweaters and I'm not in Florida with Angel. Um, I, I am, I'm feeling and celebrating fall. Um, I'm feeling very grateful that it's just hanging on for a little bit longer. Uh, it makes the winters here very long when the snow flies too early. Um, and I'm just really like getting out and walking. Uh, my poor little dog, her little tiny legs uh, got walked off yesterday. She was spent. Um, and I loved it because we got out in the fall and the leaves. And it was just a really nice way to just get back into touch with nature uh, before all of that gets, you know, covered up with snow. And when we all hunker down here in Winnipeg anyways to hibernate a little bit. But that's that's really what I'm celebrating is just that I just am so grateful and appreciative that I have a few more days hopefully weeks, but probably days of really nice weather. That's great. How about you, Angel? What are you celebrating? I think for me this week, um, with all that's happening in Israel, I think for me, I'm celebrating my freedom and the protection that we get from all the military that provide us our freedom. And I have a lot of friends and um, who are in Israel and it's, I know a very difficult time for them because they don't know what the outcome, they don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. So just really yeah. embracing your life and being so appreciative of what you have has been a main focus for me. And I'm, I'm feeling really blessed to be here in, in the, my little bubble of protection with my family. And so really um, being grateful for my freedom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, that resonates on many levels. Um, for me, I am, I am grateful that I am upright. <laughs> I, uh, decided to do the double dose of flu and, uh, updated COVID booster. And so Wednesday afternoon I had that done and yesterday was fine. I was, I was chugging along doing my thing last night. I'm like, I feel a little not so 
And then it was the full on sweats and chills. Oh. And last night was a very rough night. I actually had to cancel all of my appointments from this morning because um, I still wasn't doing real well. And so I am one grateful that I'm upright and feeling well. And I'm also uh, grateful for um, the vaccines uh, that will continue to um, help so many people, right? Um, yes. So. That is what I am grateful for this week. Um, and as always, we invite um, those of you who are listening live or on the replay um, to drop in what you're grateful for as well. Um, let us let the world know a little bit about who you are, Angel, shall we? I'm excited for them to meet you. <laughs> okay, don't right. tell them everything. Tell them only the good things. Okay. <laughs> well, you wrote your bio, so I'm telling okay. them that. Okay. <laughs> So Angel is a mom to two inquisitive, adorable daughters and a really cute dog, a wife, angel investor, and I just love that. I just love it. Angel is an angel investor and dedicated entrepreneur with a goal of making an impact in children's lives, especially young girls. After years of planning and managing the Mid-Atlantic Angel Venture Fair, uh, Angel grew frustrated with the scarcity of women investors in the room. She was determined to help change this for the benefit of female entrepreneurs and for women to learn about all of the financial freedom that comes from being an investor. She co-founded the company Invest Her Academy and Startup Smart Kids to teach women and children about financial literacy and entrepreneurship. As a mother, her goal is to grow her wealth for future generations to come and to alter and raise the trajectory of the next generation of all girls and boys. Thank Angel, you. welcome. Thank you. I, I had to choose a career that involved my name somehow. Right? <laughs> right? Doesn't everyone do that? Yes, because there's Kim Possible Something. out there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I love that it resonates so much with, you know, why I stepped into entrepreneurship too. really being able to model and show our kids or the next generation that like work can look whatever you want it to look like. Right. And that it, it there are so many possibilities and, uh, endless, uh, solutions to how we pay the bills and, um, put one foot in front of the other. Um, but outside of your name, like tell us a little bit about like how you got here. Oh, like, I got here. Okay. That well, career path. Come on. It's, uh, I started as an assistant audiologist at an ear, nose and throat office. So my degree is in speech therapy. And I did that for a handful of years and it wasn't my cup of tea. So I went back to school for graphic design did a little freelance work. That wasn't really for me either. So then I went into big pharma and became a sales and marketing person for a handful of years. My time there was up and I decided to do my own, uh, start an event planning company. And that's when I got introduced. I was managing, coincidentally, the Angel Venture Fair. And I got to see all these entrepreneurs come in and present their businesses to angel investors and venture capitalists. And every year, there's a sea of three to 400 men and maybe five or 10 women attended. I said to my husband, who's been a lifelong entrepreneur and had a company, we need to change this. This is wrong because A, Women add so much value. And when women are stronger financially, the globe is, right? This is not just me saying that. It's been proven. 
And so that's when we founded Investor Academy to teach women about angel investing. Because yes, you can invest in a public company, but you're not going to get the same return as you would in a private company. And there are more private companies in the world than public. That's just a misconception. People think every company is public. That's not true. So um, from there, we realized, okay, the, the hesitation we would get from women in their middle age was, oh, I'm too old for this, but what about my kids? You know. So we realized we have to start teaching this at an even younger age, especially to young girls, to empower them to say, you can do anything you want. You can be anything you want. You can, you can have an idea and create it and get paid for that. You know. So then, that's when we founded Startup Smart Kids, and that's how it all came together. So I'm always evolving and growing. I like to learn new things because I think it helps me. It just keeps me younger um, and more open to possibilities. So. That's that's how I got here. How did you know that, like you talked about, like it not being your cup of tea, right? Like, though, how, how did you know that that wasn't for you, those, those professions? I think you have to listen to your gut, which a lot of people don't do. And I see and I've come across so many people throughout their lives where they're just so miserable and they're going through the grind every single day because they have this fear of trying something new or different. And so they get used to their routine and people fear change, right? That's one of the biggest issues of what holds someone back from trying. What if I fail? But you have to fail in order to succeed. That's what I say to my girls all the time. It's okay if you did poorly. It's okay if you failed at this. You learn and grow from that. And that's that's the message I would have to people is don't be afraid of failure. Try it because the worst feeling is to be doing something you hate and not lo loving your life and living it to the fullest because we all see every day how short this life is and anything can happen at any time, whether it's a catastrophe with the earth or uh, you know your health or whatever the case may be. So that's follow your gut. And if your gut is telling you this isn't right, it's usually the gut is accurate. It's so, because we talk about that a lot, right? It's that intuition. It's that knowing. It's that spidey sense. Louise likes to call it the hut, right? The heart and the gut when they come together and talk to each other. Oh, I love that. Right? So that idea of listening to that, right? There's also a lot of fear. That's where our brain comes in. And it's like, you can't do this. You can't write all the messages. I'm curious for you how that, how your gut, how your intuition has overridden the fear. Because the fear has to be real. It has to be like, if oh, I sure. leave this, what happens kind of thing. Um, I Maybe it has to do with my, um, how I grew up. And so I'm, I'm a child of immigrants. I'm the first to go to college. I'm the first to do a lot of things in my family. So maybe I was pushed into that fear of like, don't worry about it. It's going to work out. So maybe it's something I've learned to embrace versus something I've been taught, but I'm always still reading and learning. And uh, there's a great author. Her name is Carol Dweck. 
she wrote the book Mindset, and she talks about the growth versus the fixed. And so just being able to read books like that or listening to a podcast to just help you be more open and, and realize that there are different opportunities and to get over your fear, because that's the other thing. You, you can't just do this by yourself. I just happen to have a great husband, partner, co-founder who's all about the growth mindset, is always looking for ways to improve or challenge himself or challenge me. No. So that's how you, I think, it's somewhat innate, but it can be learned. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like too, uh, Angel, like a big part of that fear that we have isn't just like um, the fear of change. It's a, it's a, that fear of the unknown in the sense that like, I don't know what's out there. I don't know what else I can do. And it sounds to me like you're like both your programs, right? Really help bring that to life to say like, you may have never, ever thought of this in a million years as an opportunity or an option for you to pivot your career or take your career down an entirely different path. And not a lot of people know about. Right. Yeah. And, and the thing for me, I see so many female entrepreneurs and that's another reason why I'm so invested in helping women grow because women have more fear than men do because we get rejected more. That's just the fact, you know, women will, will present their businesses to a room full of investors and not get the same reaction as if they were a man introducing that same idea to a group of investors. There's a great uh, female founded company that I can't think of the name of right now, but they had a very hard time raising money kept getting no, no, no. Great product, but no one would give them the time of day. And then they created a fake male CEO. And guess what happened? They started getting funding. Nothing about their business changed. They just added a male figure. And so, you know, especially I want to encourage women to say, don't stop, don't quit, keep going. Even if you get no in your face a hundred times, you got to just keep pushing through because otherwise, what's the point if you don't try? Yes, it's scary. Getting up in the morning is scary, especially as you age. You're like, oh, what did I do to my hip today? <laughs> what, what is going on? Right. So that's that's my advice in that. Like, keep going because otherwise you have nothing to lose by trying. The worst you could do is not get to where you want to be. But if you give all you can and try, the outcome might be spectacular. So, but it, it, fear is a real thing. And, and it's hard to break through, especially when people get stuck, hard to get them out of being stuck. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting because the, the fear that keeps us stuck is also because I think it's exacerbated by this idea that we we can't or we don't think we can ask for help, right. right? I should know all there needs, all I would ever need to know about finances, about money, right? That's a big one. Like we just should know about this stuff. I should right. know about investing. I should like, I'm smarter than that. I should know this. And when you don't, it it holds us back 
-hmm. from actually being able to take those steps forward that could be so amazing for us. Right. So I think normalizing the fact that nobody, we've talked about before about the owner's manual. I think it was even last week we were talking about this owner's manual and, and shoving somebody else's book into our owner's manual. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not born with an owner's manual. We don't know, like maybe somebody taught us something about money. Maybe somebody taught us about financial literacy, uh, about how to be an investor, but we don't actually know. So we all need help. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the biggest problem. No one is actually teaching financial literacy. Uh, Maybe it existed at some school at some time 70 years ago, but it's not exist. It doesn't exist now. Now there are some schools that have like financial uh, literacy, not financial, but like a financial after school group where just a bunch of kids are getting together to talk about investing but do they know what they're actually doing? No, because no one's teaching them the right way to do it. And one one thing for me is that children, you know, are like sponges. So if you just expose them to financial literacy earlier, they don't have to become experts, but at least they have that background and it's in their head. So when it comes time to open up a or, or buy buy a house, they're like, oh, I, I remember learning about mortgages and debt and all these things. But unless you teach them that now, they're not going to, it's harder to teach them that later on. And they miss out. So the, the earlier you start saving and investing, the better off you're going to be. So, you know, people go into college, for example, and they have so much debt. And they come out and they have to work to pay off their debt. Well, maybe not all kids will go to college, but every kid should know how to budget their balance or, you know, how how to open up a savings account, all these things. And so if we can start teaching this and putting it into our education system earlier, everyone would be benefiting from, from financial knowledge. Yeah, I I see a lot of this too uh, with folks who um, they tell me my my clients tell me I can't possibly leave this job, right? Like I need the money, um, I right? I need all of this, and 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 I so I can't leave because this is what I need. And then I'm like, well, have you run the numbers? Like, right. let's get real about like let's right, let's get feet on the ground and let's get real about what it is that we actually need. And those are fundamental pieces of budgeting. What's the cash in and what's the cash out, right? And and really start to take a look at that. Uh, I I teach my clients about building their runway. And, And that's that ability to like, if you could step out of your current yucky role right now, how much time would you like to have to build into something new, right? Let's mm-hmm. build that together so that you can uh, find the energy and the time because you have the money to make that runway and to make that switch. But a lot of times we're just like, no, I just can't. I, I can't do that. I don't have that money. And it's like, mm, yeah. You probably do. Like we, <laughs> we cover a whole topic uh, in our course, needs versus wants. Yeah. Do you need to buy a latte every day? No. Do you need toilet paper? Yes. You know, so these are the things. That's why you create a budget tracker and you can see exactly how you're spending your money. And then you realize, 
what I like to say, do you know, if at the age of 12, if you started saving $10 a day, which isn't that much, you would have, you would be a millionaire by the time you're in your forties. Think of that just from doing nothing, just from saving $10 compound interest. It, your money is now making money for you. And so people don't realize how much they're spending on things that are not needed. And so Yes, you can make that career change. If you shift the way you think about your money and how you're spending it, you'd be surprised of what you could do with it, right? It's, it's so interesting because I'm sitting over here and having a little bit of anxiety because the things that I hate talking about are budgeting. <laughs> I hate talking about cash flow. Like, I, I don't hate talking about cash flow. I hate, like, Louise, how you cash in, cash out. I'm like, ew. Like, <laughs> I do it. I absolutely do it. And I understand. And I think that there's a fun, for me, what I work with my clients on around money a lot is the fundamental piece that we have created stories around money that, that lend itself to our worth. So this idea of, I don't know what to do with money. I don't know how to balance my budget. I don't know how, if I can leave this job, I don't know how I can become an entrepreneur. I don't know, like all of this stuff, it, to me, it goes even more fundamental is this idea of we've created stories about money that say something about ourselves because I don't know it. I'm dumb. Because I don't know it, I'm not worthy. Because I can't, I haven't saved enough money, I'm not worthy. When I don't think that's true. I think our worth is separate and apart from our money. And money, yes, there are ways that we can manage our money differently. But I think right. a part of the financial literacy is also creating normalcy mm -hmm. around the fact that um Money is just this thing mm -hmm. and it has nothing to do with who you are as a person. Correct. Right. And, and just embracing that you can, you can be and do anything and money is a side, just put it on the side. You can set up mm -hmm. automatic deductions. You don't ever have to think about it. You don't have to, there's great online apps that track your budget. It's not extra work. The work is just actually starting that. That's it. And once you've started it, it's so easy to maintain. And then you can focus on more important things in your life. So the, the, the idea is not for you to be obsessed about money and everything that you're doing with it, but setting up yourself so that you don't have to worry about money. That's the whole goal. Learning all about ways that you can do that so you never have to worry about it. Because 40 years from now, do you want to be thinking, I just read an article in New York Times about this 82-year-old who her college loan was just forgiven. Mm -hmm. 82, and you're still still having to deal with your college loan? That's terrible. So that is constantly in her life. She's constantly mm -hmm. having to, had to have worried about that, where I'm saying, no, if you learn all the options available to you to put them into motion, you don't have to worry about it. Then you can do the things that you love and want to do versus having to think about everything that you're doing at all times. I think the thing that scares a lot of people is it's it's great when we talk about, um, and, and thank you for teaching the next generation about financial literacy. I think the thing that's frustrating for the people that Louise and I work with is they're in their 40s, 50s, sometimes even older than that. 
and they feel like it's too late. Right. And do you find that to be true? Is it, is it too, is, is there ever a point where it's too late? No, it's never too late. It's never too late. I mean, there, like I said, if you, if you really sit down and look at how, how you're saving, how you're spending, how you're investing, there are always things you can learn that you thought, oh, I was, I was putting all my money in a 401k. Wait, there are other options. Maybe I should look into index funds or maybe I should be investing in real estate. So unless you put yourself out there to accept, to learn things, then you're not going to, then no, it's never too late. It's not, I might be an opera singer in 30 years. I don't know, <laughs> you know, there are things I still want to do, but I'm not going to look at it like, oh, it's too late. No, it's never too late. Granted, will your interest compound the same way it did 30 years ago? Uh, if you had started doing things, probably not, but there's still ways that you can earn more money and save it in a different way than what you've been doing. Like, don't stick your money in a mattress. It's never going to grow. You're actually going to lose money, right? It's called inflation. And so inflation will totally <laughs> all that money that you thought you had in your mattress uh, that was going to be your, your cushion. No, that's, but, but there's still people that think that way. And so if you can show them there are different, uh, like there are 9,000 mutual funds, 9,000. So which one do you choose and which one's right for you? Talk to a financial planner. There's so many, there's so many options available. It's just a matter of put, taking that first step. And once you do, the rest kind of falls easily, I say. So no, it's never too late. And, and I think the key there, right, like you both said it, is that like, how do we separate ourselves and our value from money, right? And when we can do that, then we can step into that curiosity place, right? right? It, as a whole person and not have this thing kind of hang on to us to say like, you know, I'm, I'm not valued because I only make X, Y, or Z, right? Or I, I'm, I, there's this heaviness around money sometimes. And when we can separate that from ourselves, then I do think then we can step into that curious place and uh, to say, right, how do I, how do I do more? Uh, how do I be more? Because I'm not attached to the digits on my paycheck um, or, or whatever that is, or the money that's coming in from my, from my business. Um, it's, there are ways but I think the first part of that is to disconnect like who we are from the amount of money we have in our bank account or our mattress or where right. we keep it, right? Well, it's healing that money wound. And we don't, we don't talk about that because we do, we jump to the, well, dollars and cents and, and whether or not it's because it's what we practice, right? It's what we're teaching people. Or if it's we're working, uh, it's our clients just wanting to know how they can make that change for themselves. Everybody wants to jump to the how. And we so often talk about here is that the how is the fastest way to anxiety, right? <laughs> it's the fastest way to drive ourselves a little batty because it's not about the how. The how will sort itself out. The how allows other people to help us. 
it comes from that place of curiosity, as Louise just said. It comes from that place of healing those stories, that wound that we have around money. And so many, like I have, I have yet to meet somebody who has no money wound. Right. Like it, it just, it's, it's who we are. It's in, it's in our culture. It's pervasive. Mm-hmm. So having this opportunity to do that healing. I mean, I've been on my money healing journey for 15 plus years. And I certainly, there is a tremendous amount that I still need to learn about money. And I feel like I have financial freedom. And I know that that's what so many people are going for. I'm not a millionaire. Right. And I feel like I have financial freedom because I am free from thinking that money is going to solve my problems. Right. Right. And if you can set it and forget it, learn how to set it and then forget it and do what you want to do. That's so freeing. Right. And you you don't have to keep worrying about it. Like that's the point of why we want to teach children about it. Now set it and forget it. And then when you become uh, reach the age of your parents, you suddenly have all this money and more freedom to do whatever you want. If you're unhappy with your current career, you can change it and you have enough of a cushion that it's not going to hurt you or affect you. Or So just s- learning how to set it up properly so you can focus on more important things that you want to bring value into your life is the best option, I think. <laughs> I know when my kiddo, so he's um, in his final year of high school and he is fascinated by the idea that money can make money, like mm-hmm. fascinated by it, right? And and his financial journey has been a lot different than mine. His financial story has been a lot different than mine. Um, and a lot of that comes from our upbringing, right? How our parents viewed money is often how we viewed money or we have that sometimes that story to overcome, right? right? But just to see him in a completely different space than I was at his age, uh, it is fascinating to see. Um, And so I, I see his his outlook and his connection, right? That hook sometimes, like mm-hmm. his value has nothing to do with the amount of money he makes, um, right? His right. value is very much attached to like, what am I putting out in the world? And oh, by the way, my money can make money over here, right? Like yes. it's very different. Yeah. Yeah. I certainly wasn't, didn't know anything about this world. And in, in fact, my family came from a communist country, so they definitely didn't want to put their money anywhere other than their mattress, which was not helping at all, you know. Uh, so, so it, it I, I can see it with my kids. They, I mean, they're still a little too young, but I'm sure w- it's fascinating to see it with your son, who at your age, when you were his age, you were thinking that I didn't have this luxury. I don't want to call it a luxury, but more of a freedom of luxury, like this, ah, this sense of relief or not sense of relief, but the sense of freedom to be able to do anything. But he's right. See, because he's already learned that money makes money. Mm -hmm. And so if we, if the three of us knew that 30 years ago, 
we would be having a very different conversation. <laughs> yeah, we would. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in full transparency. So when I lived in the States, I went through a bankruptcy and it was humiliating. And, mm -hmm. and that was the start of, it was really the middle of, cause it, it wasn't 15 years ago. So it was the middle of my healing because I had to get to a place where I was no longer embarrassed mm -hmm. to say, I didn't know. I didn't, right? It was right. student loans, medical bills, and a little bit of consumer debt. But the consumer debt was like 2% of the overall debt that we had. And, and there were some tax issues. But it was like, we didn't know. My husband and I did not know how to fix it. We could, And we'd ask people, how do we fix it? And they're like, I don't know. Right. So we didn't know. And we kept doing what we were doing for years. And we finally got to the point where we're like, and I with with my healing journey around money was to not be embarrassed by it and to not mm -hmm. say, this makes me a bad person. Right. Right. Because it doesn't. Exactly. It just means we needed to do something that would assist us from getting out from under this pile that was pretty big to allow us to move forward and to learn to do things differently. And it is fascinating with our kiddos because I have a 13 year old and she is like, money is to go into the bank. <laughs> but you, she's like, money goes into the bank or I use it to spend on other people. I'm like, well, that you got from me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's a good act of kindness. Yeah. <laughs> right. But it is interesting because I don't think, I, in fact, I know when I was, her age, because she was just went through her bat mitzvah. And so, you know, she got some cash in from the bat mitzvah. And I remember when I got the cash in, I was like, yeah. And what she can got I it. And she's like, no, mm -hmm. how do we invest that? Like, where can it go? Right. I, de I definitely think the children, our children are more savvy than we ever were because there's so many uh, well, technology has changed the world for forever, right? So they have all these apps and YouTube and all these things available to them to learn these things if they wanted to independently. I, we didn't have those things growing up, right? We didn't have all these opportunities available to us. But I think it's still important to teach them how to get down the, go down the right road, not the wrong one. And even if you go down the wrong one, to let them know you could still fix it. And not to, that's why I say to my kids, like, so what? You failed. Stand up and try again. Try again. Try again. Try everything because that is just going to make you stronger, right? What doesn't kill me makes me stronger. <laughs> As Kelly Clarkson wrote in her song. <laughs> um, because it's true. And I think I, I'm fortunate to have that attitude and I try to share it with the world of if I can do it, you can do it. Anyone can do it. Yeah. Well, and I love right, going back to your story. It's like you didn't look at the career list and say, my name is Angel. I'm going to become an angel investor and teach people how to do that. Right. You happen to be in the circumstance where you looked around and said, something's not right. Mm -hmm. I want to help fix that. Right. And, and so that's what you're doing. That's what you're creating in the world. And that I think that is something different than what we saw our parents do. Our parents yes. didn't show up, not 
fully in that way. I think there is, has been a shift in the way that we're raising our children and the way that we do speak more openly about things, right? Um, no, our mm -hmm. daughter isn't in here when I'm doing the bills or when I'm doing, but if I happen to be doing the bills and she walks in, I'm not hiding. I'm like, I'm not shutting down tabs. Right. And I remember if I walked in and my dad was writing, um, you know, writing out the checks for the bills, everything would get closed up on the desk so I couldn't see it. Yes. So like there's that veil of secrecy that I think that our generation is just like, we don't have to be that way. Right. And maybe it's not helpful to be that way. Yeah, it's definitely not. <laughs> it's definitely it's definitely not a helpful skill to have. You should really be more open to a degree yeah. with your children, right? So that well, just like you wouldn't run. talk about sex like openly no. with your child. You, no, like, they may know you have it, but they don't need to know the details. Yeah, mine are too young to know anything like that. They still <laughs> get freaked out when my husband and I kiss each other. You know, <laughs> oh, what's happening? <laughs> Nothing. It's this is the extent of it. Okay. <laughs> Have no Nothing fear. Else <laughs> Nothing else. Because <laughs> so maybe they know a little bit more about money than that. Right. Right. Maybe. <laughs> but yeah, I think the the key is to empower the youth, give them all the tools they can have, so that when they get their conversations will be different thirty years from now. They may not have a fear of money. They, money is not going to rule their world, right? But yet they'll have financial freedom because they took the steps now to get there so that they can do whatever they want, like save the planet, for example. You know, <laughs> please, please save the planet. Please. We're really in big trouble here. <laughs> Begging you, please. Right, please. <laughs> yeah, it's, and, and it's true because the, the, I see the direction that we're heading is that more and more people are understanding that money is a tool, right? And it's just that. It's right. it's an exchange of energy. It's a tool. It does not have to be anything more than that. And the fact that we, so many of us have grown up with this idea that it defines who we are mm -hmm. um, in so many ways, defines our worth, defines our value, defines our intelligence, I mean, all of it. Um, that we can step away from that and have a little bit more freedom mm -hmm. from money in that way and use it really as the tool that it's, it is there to be just an exchange. Well, and an interesting thing for our children is that they rarely see currency because I don't even carry cash. I don't remember the last time I went to the bank to take money out. So they're not seeing a physical transaction where you're paying with cash, right? They're never seeing that. So for them, the concept is money of money is a little hard to understand to begin with because there's no actual money being exchanged. It's either, oh, I'm just swiping my phone uh, over a, a machine or it's a credit card. And so that in general, I think has this huge impact on how they think about money. Whereas for me, growing up, all I ever saw was a cash or a check. I mean, when's the last time you wrote a check? I don't remember. <laughs> so it's uh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> okay, things are a little different in Canada. Okay. I just, sorry. I say yeah. that. <laughs> okay. Well, my point is like, it's even, it's so it's more removed for them because they're not having to see that and everything is online. You go and purchase something online. You don't see an exchange of money. 
So in a way that's a benefit because then they're not, and also not a benefit. It's also scary because then they don't realize, yeah, no, it's not, it's not growing on, on an online tree. You know, it's, <laughs> you need to have it and get it somehow. And it's not magically going to appear. And that's why we have to talk about debt traps with kids and how you avoid debt traps and credit cards are not always your friend. So. Yeah. yeah, it's it is interesting because it, having grown up in the United States and only been in Canada for two years, it was fascinating to me because credit is not is not the same as it is in the states here. Um, most stores that I go to don't take credit; they will take debit, but not credit. And it, it, right, and there's there's reasons behind that, and it is, but it is, and it's still there's a still a pretty big cash culture here too, um, which fascinates me. Um, I have that to remember to have cash. Huh? Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. And, and so Canadians have to catch up a little bit because you're, 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 miss, you're missing out <laughs> on the 2% back every time you make a transaction. Oh, there's ways that they Maybe? get around that. Oh, they, okay. they have all the right. air miles thing up. Yeah. There, all there's right, all right. sorts of things, but okay. it is, it is fascinating how, different having cash because I never, I mean, long time. I can't even tell you how long it was that I hadn't carried cash. And after moving up here, I had to remember, I'm like, Ooh, I need to, to make sure cash. I have cash on me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that I don't really know growing up here. Is that how, what's been your experience? Well, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure if things have changed because of, um, the way we view money more than technology, mm -hmm. right? And I do feel like uh, we are, as Canadians, a little more aware sometimes of, of our money. Um, and we don't want to, right? I think that that debt bubble, right? Mm -hmm. We are very um, aware of what that is culturally um and but yet we hang on right like we haven't hang on to it so i don't know it's like it's always like money is interesting because it's always like this scarcity abundance kind of mindset right that we can mm -hmm. really get into say like you know are we are we more you know uh budget aware are we like are we counting our pennies we don't have pennies anymore but are we counting right the 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 sense uh, of it all um and because we need to hang on to it or do we treat it differently um and we don't worry too much about it um i don't i don't really know and i and i think it differs um culturally too right not just uh, Canadian view versus an American view, but also within our um, our countries culturally. Again, how we view money uh, is is a big part of how we transact or how we choose to transact um, our our dollars and cents. Yeah, yeah. that's a great so, point. I will say the loony and toony because. Our coins in the United States are, right, maybe you'll see a 50 cent piece, but it's usually our, or a dollar coin, but usually our coins are 25 cents and below. So when you throw change in a, in a bucket, which is what we would do, we would empty our change and we would throw it in a little dish or something and you'd eventually take it to the bank and you're like, ooh, I have $15. <laughs> I find coins sitting around the house here and I'm like, friends, that's like 30 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> 
And it's like seven coins. It's a lot of money. It's yes. Like, it's so it is also it's it it's it's that cultural thing of right coins didn't mean much to us. They didn't mm-hmm. have much value in the states, and coins here add up very quickly when they're a dollar and two dollars. Sure. Yeah, that's very <laughs> a good reminder. I'm gonna go right. search for some search for some quarters, nickels, dimes. I don't oh, think man. I've seen them in college, a long time. I remember in college when I would search the couch cushions for court. I was like, I gotta do laundry. I was searching for quarters right. everywhere. That's right? right. Oh, I don't miss those days. No, and now oh. you just use your Apple Pay or whatever at the laundromat. Right. So you don't even need the coins. Wow. Amazing how far we've come. <laughs> and yet we have so much more to do. Exactly. Well, on that note, I just looked and look at that. That was 45 minutes of a wonderful conversation around this idea of money and financial literacy. Um, I'd love to know what are our golden nuggets? What are we walking away here from with today? I think I said that right. I'll, I'll go first. Yeah. Uh, embrace a challenge. Embrace losing. Embrace your fear and just go with it because you have more to lose by not trying than trying. Yeah, I love that. I think too, just the reminder that it's never too late, right? Um, that it, Time, it doesn't matter um, when there's something important that you um, are thinking about doing, uh, do it. Um, and And it doesn't matter how many candles were on your last birthday cake. (laughs) Absolutely. I think mine goes right along with that, which is this idea of keep, just keep trying. Like there's never a wrong, fully wrong answer. Like if you, if you need the help, it's out there. If you want to move forward in a new way, just find a way. Mm -hmm. There's always a way. There's always an option. There's 9,000 Five thousand. What did you say? How many mutual funds? Nine thousand. Nine thousand. Over nine thousand. Okay. Yeah. So just in terms of mutual funds in the United States, there's nine thousand. So there's plenty of options. Lots of options. Lots of mm-hmm. options. And and to keep that in mind, that there's nine thousand of whatever it is that right. you're trying to figure out. So that's that's my takeaway. Um, Angel, where in the world can people find you and learn more about what you're doing? So they can find out more about our financial literacy course going to startupsmartkids.com. And um, we this is for anyone 11 to 18. We are also going to roll out a Mom Wins program, which is for moms and their ch- children to take the course together because so many moms keep asking, when can I take this course? And I said, you know what? Just take it with your kid. It's so much, uh, it'll be more fun. And then you could talk about it together. So startupsmartkids.com. And our course goes live in about a week. Love it. Yeah. So pressure's on. (laughs) You've got it. You've got it. Um, Louise, do you know what we have coming up next? I do. Of course. Oh, Heather, staying true to yourself. I've been seeing lots of emails go back and forth with Heather. So I'm really excited that um, she's finally uh, found a time to uh, sit with us and uh, talk all about staying true to yourself. Absolutely. Um, We're looking forward to that conversation. 
Um, as much as we were looking forward to this conversation and we got to have it with you, Angel. Thank yeah, you. This so is so much. great. I love being on with you ladies and uh, I hope we do this again. Yeah. 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 You're welcome back anytime. We'd love to have you. Great. Thank you so much. You're Thank welcome. You. And thanks everyone for tuning in. Um, whether you're checking us out live or on replay, we are here every Friday for Kick-Ass Career Conversations and we will see you next week. Take care. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye for now.